Well, happy Memorial Day to everybody. So glad that you're joining us in week 10 of our digital Timber Creek Church experience from Nacogdoches to the Lufkin location to Iglesia Timber Creek. This is the final installment of our series, A Little Bit of Wisdom Goes a Long Way. If there was anything that we have needed in the middle of this season, it's not just to know what to do next, it's to know what the wise thing to do is. Wisdom is competence in, in regards to the true realities of life. Understanding uh, how to navigate uh, the space between two good decisions and making sure that we make the wise decision uh, where we don't know the answer, where there's uncertainty in front of us. And wisdom gives us the capacity to do that. It doesn't come overnight. You can't cram for the exam called wisdom, but it is on the slow and steady pathway of life through our good decisions and our bad decisions, moving from being simple or being foolish to a wise person. Today we finish this series and I want to go to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs 30 is written by Agur, son of Japheth. That sounds like, I mean, that sounds like a character off the Lord of the Rings, but King Solomon wrote most of the book of Proverbs, but this particular proverb is written by Agur, son of Japheth, and he is writing in a way that if you, if you read it in English, it loses its, its uh, rhythm and prose. It, it, it loses its cadence. But if you were to read it and understand it in the original language, you understand that what he's writing is uh, almost like a riddle, like he's remembering, it, it, it's almost like a kid's story. Um, Jack and Jill went up a hill to, to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. Uh, London bridges falling down, fall, okay, I'm not gonna get into all that. Um, this is kind of like a, uh, one of those little nursery rhymes that people can remember and you have this cadence. And so throughout this passage, Proverbs 30, uh, we read this cadence in, in the original language. In English, you lose it, but let me show you what I mean. There are three things that are never satisfied, four that never say enough. And there's a rhythm to that. Verse 18, there are three things that are too amazing for me, four that I do not understand. <laughs> anyway, verse 21, under three things, the earth trembles. Under four, it cannot bear up. And so uh, Agur, son of Jacob, is given us this nursery rhyme and he makes it so simple for the youngest to understand. And I wanna tell you, it's a simple message today. The simplest of us can understand it. However, we love to make things complicated, don't we? We love to complicate things. We, we love to make something a little bit more harder. And what, what the word of God wants us to do is to whittle it down and make it simple, make it simple. And Agur goes on and he shows us this very simple um, signal to wisdom. Um, he shows us what wisdom looks like. And in Proverbs 30, verse 24, he gives us these very simple, almost, almost uh, childlike illustrations. And he says it like this. There are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. These are small things, small potatoes, but they're exceedingly like, whoa, there is wisdom to be learned in these small little things. And he gives us four little illustrations. 
Verse 25, he says, the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the crags or the, or the, the rocks, in, in the, the splits in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet they all advance in ranks. And then the fourth one, the spider skillfully grasps with its hands and it is in king's palaces. The ant, the rock badger, the locust, and the spider. Small little things that Agar says, pay attention now, don't miss it. You'll kind of go over it and you want to look at other things. That's what the book of Proverbs says. Now, Paul, the apostle, later in the New Testament, in Romans chapter one, he will write these words. And Paul says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, who God is, what God's about, what we can learn about God, his eternal power, his divine nature, those things since the beginning of creation, they have been clearly seen. If, if you wonder what, what, uh, what's gonna happen if people don't, don't know who God is, I'm telling you, people can't help but see there is something beyond us. There's something beyond us. They have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, like the ant and the locust and the rock badger, so that people are without excuse. God has shown us himself through the big things and the small things. And if I were gonna begin to unpack the bigness of God, unpack the majesty of who God is and the power of his arm and, and, and the, 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 the reach of his grace and his mercy and, and the, 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 the goodness of his love and the power of his kingdom. If I were to describe to you what God would be like, I would probably not start with an ant. I would probably back up and I would think of the grand escape of the Grand Canyon and the miles and miles and miles of the beauty there crossing a couple of different states. If I were thinking of the majesty of God, I would think of the power of 3,000 tons of water pouring over the edge of Niagara Falls every single second of every single day. I would, if I were to try to describe his grace, I would, I would think of Niagara Falls. If, if I would try to think of his love and describe it to you, I, it would be like trying to, trying to understand the billions of stars in the expanse of the galaxy because his love is so amazing and so big and, and just, it's hard to even comprehend the size of, of his grace. If I were to go beyond geography and go beyond these wonders and maybe look at something that was breathing and living, I, I wouldn't think of a locust. I, I, I would think of maybe the, 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 the Africa Five. If you don't know who the Africa Five are, the Africa Five are these, these five wild game, um, five different wild animals that live in the plains of Africa. Uh, one of the five is the lion. Let me tell you about the lion, cool cats and kittens. Uh, they're way beyond, you know, the GW Zoo over in Oklahoma. The, the, the lion, nine foot expanse when it stands up on its haunches, nine foot tall, 500 pounds. There's majesty 
in the lion. It's why part of the understanding of who Jesus is is the lion of the tribe of Judah because we see his majesty. We also see him in the small lamb of God in his innocence and his being slaughtered. But if I wanna talk about the majesty, I'm gonna talk about the lion in the Africa Five. Here's another one, the rhino, weighing 3.2 metric tons. If the horn doesn't get you, his massive feet will. Do you know what they call a group of rhino? They call it a crash, a crash of rhino. Makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, we've, we've, rhinos, they're born, do you know, here's a little simple fact, rhinos are born hairy. They're like as hairy as chimpanzees. But as their, as their skin toughens up, their hair can't, can't be contained in that tough skin. And so their, their hair falls out. That must be what's happening to my head. My forehead is getting so tough. Back of my head, my skin is getting so strong. That's, that's why my hair's falling out. Anyway, my, my wife has said I am hard-headed and thick-skulled, so anyway. The leopard, the leopard isn't as big as the lion, but it's, fa- it's fast, 37 miles per hour, can with one hand pull its 250-pound body up a tree with one hand. When I think of the, the agility of God to run to our rescue, to find us in our moment of weakness, I would try to describe God like a leopard, but... That's not what he's trying to do here. The Cape Buffalo, believe it or not, the Cape Buffalo kill more people than the elephant, the rhino, and the lion, and the leopard combined. Uh, Why? I guess it's because they just kind of look like buffalo or cow. They do look like buffalo because they're called Cape Buffalo, but they just look like cows. You just kind of show up to them. No, they will kill you. They'll kill you. Uh, they're strong and they can weigh up to 1,500 pounds. The elephant, I mean, when an elephant places its foot in the mud, it leaves a pond. There's massiveness in these animals. But God says to us through Agur, son of Japheth, in our final installment of a little bit of wisdom goes a long way. He says, no, 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 don't look at the elephant. Don't, don't look at the buffalo. Don't look at the leopard. Don't, don't look at the, the chimpanzee. Don't, 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 look at the, uh, don't look at the pelican. Don't look at the squirrel. Don't look at the mouse. Go all the way down, and I want to teach you a lesson about exceeding wisdom in simple things. So number one, if you're taking notes, consider the ant and the wisdom to be learned from the ant. Well, school's out for the summer. Uh, Actually, school has been out for way too long. It's time to get back into school, if you ask me. It's time to get back into school. Anyway, I digress. School's out. Uh, Summer's on us. Different things are gonna happen depending upon what the season looks like and COVID restrictions and you name it. But like, I mean, it's time to start getting out to the lake. It's Memorial Day weekend after all. It's time to get out to the lake and and pull out a blanket and, and, and have a picnic. And while you're chilling out, having a picnic, enjoying a sandwich and a bag of Lay's potato chips, the ant is hard at work taking your salt and vinegar chips and building something. Do not underestimate that 
pile of dirt. It is an intricate, intricate web of, of trails and, and houses. Um, the ant is working. So what's the exceedingly wise lesson? What do we, what's the lesson that we can learn from the ant? A little bit of wisdom goes a long way, and you and I, we can't be reactive. We need to be proactive. We need to prepare yourself. You need to prepare yourself. Preparation. Preparing for what's next. Um, Not letting life just come to you, but you knowing to be prepared to, 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 to connect with what is next. Do you know that the number one enemy to preparation is procrastination? Um, I, I was going to show you some really cool pictures of procrastination. I just didn't get around to it. And, and uh, so I kind of, that was a joke. I procrastinated. Anyway, the number one enemy to prepare, preparing something is kind of hanging off, holding it off. The book of Proverbs talks about that procrastination attitude. And they, they called the person who procrastinates, the procrastinator is a sluggard. And Proverbs says it like this. Sluggards don't plow in the season. When they should be working, they don't work. So at harvest time, they look, but they don't find anything. Proverbs 21, the desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor. If I let my own desires drive me, I wouldn't labor. It would be easier to just relax and eat and just kind of let life happen. And if you're not careful, it'll pounce on you like a ninja and you'll be going, what in the world happened? In fact, Proverbs 24 says it like this, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there, all of a little bit. Do you know what? A little bit over time adds up to a lot. A little bit over time adds up to a lot. And poverty will come on you like a thief, like a ninja, scarcity like an armed man. So the ant prepares Stephen Covey in his book, The highly, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he talks about being reactionary versus proactive. Can I ask you a question about preparing? Um, how have you been preparing to take the next steps out of the season we're in? H- have you just kind of succumbed to this is just the way things are? Can I tell you, I am so ticked off and fed up to my neck about this idea of new normal, just embracing the new normal. Now there's, there's some power in that. Next week, I'm gonna talk to you about uh, how God takes us from normal to abnormal to new normal, but I refuse just to assume that life is just gonna happen after COVID. No, we, we, gotta, we gotta be men and women of faith. We gotta step out and we, got, we, we have to kind of be bold and courageous and not just kind of let whatever happen happen. We need to be proactive. Have you prepared for the next steps with your kids? Have you prepared your kids for when they're gonna leave? Do you know that as parents, our number one job is to teach our kids how to leave, how to be good leavers and good deciders? Like we need to be preparing ourselves emotionally for what might come next. Many times people 
get caught off guard by something somebody says because they've not prepared themselves on how to respond to criticism, how to respond to someone. It's why people get all, like they get a little antsy and they get a little crazy, antsy, get it, consider the ant. They get unantsy actually because they don't prepare themselves and they go to Thanksgiving and they go to Christmas and they're just waiting for mom to say something. They're just waiting for their dad to bring that back up again. And then when it does it, they were expecting it, but they didn't prepare themselves and then they lose it. Like, Prepare yourself on how to deal with things. Okay, that's the ant. Prepare yourself. Number two, consider the rock badger. In, uh, there's other names for the rock badger, the hyrax or the coney. Here's a picture of the rock badger. <laughs> you, you, like, you want to take, take this little, you just want to pet it. You just want to be my pet. You just want to pet the hyrax. You want to pet the rock badger. But don't get too close to the rock badger because you might get the bad rock badger. You don't want the bad rock badger. You want the, oh, cute rock badger. Well, the rock badger, here's the lesson to be learned from the rock badger. The rock badger is pretty, um, pretty defenseless. They don't have major claws. Those teeth are a little sharp, but they can't do much in the wild. And so the lesson that we learn from the rock badger is to protect yourself. The rock badger doesn't bow up to the, to the puma. The rock badger, as we read in scripture, finds its hiding, finds its shelter in the crags or in the, in the splits of the rocks. It hides where it can't be it can't be found. It protects itself in the rock. If ever there was a spiritual lesson right there, protect yourself in the rock. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. It's a fortress. The Lord is the rock of my salvation. And you've got to find out a way to protect yourself in the middle of living in, leaning in, resting in, relying on God. Proverbs 27 says a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. They protect themselves. But the simple, they keep going and they suffer the consequences. They just kind of keep going. Let me tell you something, parents. How are you protecting your kids? We shouldn't be afraid of the internet, but there ought to be some guardrails and some protection mechanisms on the internet. Your kids staying up late, with a carte blanche access to the internet on their iPad or their iPhone or their Xbox is a what, what, warning, warning, Will Robinson, careful, watch it, protect yourself. Men, how are you protecting yourself from the, from the draw, from the alluredness of lust? Marriages, how are you, how are you protecting yourself from the apathy that, you know, apathy kills way more marriages than affairs. Just kind of losing interest. Protect yourself. If you can figure out how to protect yourself, whoa, you will be exceedingly wise. You don't have to have some huge, grand, prophetic utterance from God. He's already given you his word. Be like the rock badger. and Find yourself protected against the, the, the storms, against the enemy's devices by protecting yourself within the word of God, within the name of God, within the shelter of the wing of God. You know, next Sunday, May 31st, we are reopening our Timber Creek locations. And we're trying to be like the ant and like the rock badger. We are preparing and we are protecting. 
We want to prepare ourselves and protect ourselves. We want to be able to protect life and live some life. And so we are opening up the doors again. But we're not opening the doors like Walmart on Black Friday. We're just, you know. We got we to gotta be smart. We got to be, you know, I don't know, wise with how we approach this. And so reopening to the Timber Creek locations, I just want to give you a quick update on what that's going to look like. If you've already checked out our videos, you will have heard some of this, and you can go to our website and our app, and I'll show you that in a second. But what we're going to have is as we open on May 31st, for the next few weeks, we will have family worship experiences. Uh, there will be no kids ministry on our campuses. Um, families will be together. We encourage you, let them, let them bring an iPad into the service. Don't force them to listen to Pastor Jeremy or Pastor Edgar. Like, j- let them watch an iPad. Plug in, some, plug in some headphones. Don't watch the iPad full force. I mean, that would be dangerous too. You know, don't do that. But like, uh, we're gonna have some stuff online for, for uh, kid works that they can watch during the service. If you don't want to bring your kids, stay home, watch digitally. That's okay. We've got family worship experience. We are going to make sure that all of our services are sanitized. We are making very uh, special precautions uh, to sanitize each and every seat. We will be uh, sanitizing each and every pen. We'll be removing certain things from um, the seat back pockets so they don't just sit there. Like we're going to overly protect things. We're also going to space out. I don't mean space out during the message. I mean, we're going to space out as far as dimension. We're going we're gonna to follow some social distance guidelines in our auditorium. And because of that, it means that our worship experiences are going to have some limited capacity. And so in order to serve you best, in order to prepare for you, to prepare and protect, in order to love thy neighbor and have some guardrails, registration opens today. And the way registration is going to work is on the website, Facebook, and the TC app, you can go there after service today, you can click on the link, registration, register for services, you can click on it and you can see the different options for Iglesia, for the Nacogdoches campus, and for the broadcast location, the Lufkin campus, the 930 and the 1115 service. You can click on the 930, you can make space for you and your family or just you or whatever that looks like. We will send you a confirmation and that will help us prepare. But we're going to have to close registration for each service as it gets to the capacity number so we can still safeguard our social distancing. If we get to the point by midweek of this week, if we get to the point by Wednesday that 9.30 and 11.15 in our locations are full, we're going to open more services. And we'll let you know. We'll blitz that. We'll promo that. We'll add more services on Sunday. We're going, and listen, I want you to know we're not coming in here all solemn, kumbaya, my Lord. We are going to celebrate no matter what the season holds. I know you've been traumatized. It's time to re-enter. It's time to take one step of faith at a time. It's time for us to celebrate God. It's time for us not to forsake the gathering together. I'm so glad for church online. We will never go back to the way church online was but church online is supplemental to the body of Christ getting together and worshiping I can't wait to see you next Sunday May 31st make sure you register today because I know space is going to fill up quick so consider the ant prepare consider the rock badger protect
Are you preparing your life? Are you protecting your life? Are there safeguards? Guardrail doesn't, uh, guardrail doesn't stop, uh, stop at, the, um, at the edge of the cliff. There is several feet between the edge of the cliff and a guardrail. Why? Because you don't wanna live at the limit. Protect yourself, give yourself some boundaries. The third small little thing, but has ex- wisdom just, just pouring out of it is to consider the locust. The locust, well, this is one of the uglier realities. The locust, um, it, it doesn't seem like very much by itself, but a swarm of locusts can eat an entire elephant in a matter of days. Days, just one bite at a time, a swarm of locusts. In ancient times, yes, villages feared uh, the oncoming onslaught of, uh, of an army. They feared fiery arrows and catapulted boulders and the knives and the swords and the spears of the enemy's chariots and their soldiers. But a locust swarm could wipe out a village quicker than an army. Now, that sounds negative. That sounds, ugh. They don't even have a king leading them. Like that's what the the scripture said. There's no real command. They're just a swarm. So what's the lesson that we can learn from the locusts? Let me show you. Partner with others. Partner with others. It's amazing how much you need other people. You cannot truly know God. You cannot truly understand who God's called you to be without others. The Bible is is crammed full. Like a rhino in a shoebox, the Bible is crammed with verses that talk about one another. Pray for one another. Love one another. Forgive one another. Carry one another's burdens. Walk with one another. Be with one another. Cry with one another. Like one another's are critical. We got to partner with other people. Do you know that when God creates the heavens and the earth, he says... It was morning, it was night, and it was good. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. When he gets to creating man, God says it's not good. The first thing he says isn't good in the world. It's not good for man to be alone. God has designed us for fellowship, for community, for partnership with one another. Iron doesn't sharpen through the air. You don't sharpen your, your, your sword by just waving it through the air. Iron sharpens iron. It requires a little spark, but iron against iron sharpens. Ecclesiastes says it like this. Two are better than one because they've got a good return for their labor. There's just something powerful about two oxen instead of one ox. Um, you, you actually can pull more than twice the weight when you have two well-trained oxen versus just one. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. There's power in that. Um, but, I, but I love the next one. This is, what I call the, this is what I call the Mr. T verse. But pity the fool, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Um, what, a, what a sad, lonely place to be struggling right now with something that you can't talk to anybody about. I feel for you. And I want you to know I'm praying for you. If you feel alone with a struggle, 
our goal is to provide the space called groups that you would begin to not connect deeply with everybody, but maybe somebody that you could unmask with someone and you could talk with them about the real stuff of life. So many people carry things on their own. You are not meant to carry things by yourself. We cast our cares on him and we carry one another's burdens. The ant, the rock badger, partner with others and be like the locusts. And finally, consider the spider. Consider the spider. I don't know about you, but I hate spiders. The best kind of spider is a dead spider, if you ask me. But God says, no, don't look at just stomping out the spider. Take a moment before you stomp it. You can still stomp it. But before you stomp the spider, back up and, and think about the wisdom that comes in a spider. It, it, the, the scripture that Agur gave to us was that spiders are small, and, and, and their, their webs can be torn down, but they are in king's palaces. They get places uh, that not a lot of other people can get. Like, they, they, you know, what's the lesson? What's the lesson that, that the spider shows us? Here it is. Um, the lesson is actually, um, it's wrapped up in a little nursery rhyme. Do you remember the, the nursery rhyme? Just like Agur, son of Jacob, gave us this nursery rhyme. You remember this little one, the little song? The itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Out came the sun and dried up all the rain. And here's, you, you know what that spider did? The itsy bitsy spider went up the spout again. What is that nursery song trying to teach us? That it don't matter come rain or shine. That spider, you knock down that web, it gonna start building again. You pour down rain, it's gonna start building again. You ain't gonna knock that spider out. That spider, even though the rain came down and knocked it down the gutter, that spider's gonna push and, 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 and hammer it out and, 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 and hold steady and be steadfast and it's not gonna be movable. And what's the lesson? persevere perseverance to move forward to not to not just give up so quick we need some people we need some husbands to go fight for their marriages we need some some moms and dads gonna fight for what's right when it comes to their kids we need some prayer warriors they're gonna pray hard and, and trust God and not give up too soon to to be praying and have persevering prayers for their, their kids and for their families and for this nation. And whether you agree with everything or not, pray for our president and pray for our national leaders to persevere in prayer and persevere in purity and persevere in courage to do the right thing when the rest of the culture says don't. And regardless of what your emotions say to you, and regardless of what everybody around is saying, that you're going to persevere yet letting the word of God be the moral compass for your life. And the problem is when the rain comes and washes us out, we tend to give up a little easy. But Romans, the apostle Paul says it like this. We can rejoice too. We rejoice when things go good 
We party when we're able to have a worship service or hear that song that ministers to us. But we can rejoice too, though, when we run into problems and trials, when we're like that little spider, that your plans for 2020 were washed out. The web is gone. The nest egg cracked open. But you can still rejoice in God and persevere because we know that they help us develop perseverance. These problems and trials develop a persevering spirit in our lives. And Paul goes on to say that not only do the problems create perseverance, but then perseverance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. These, these things, you know how your confident hope of salvation comes? Because you back up and you realize you go through troubles and heartaches. See, salvation doesn't mean no problems in your life. Salvation and trusting in God doesn't mean everything slow motion run to God in a field of daisies. Your confident hope of salvation, you build that hope based on troubles and trials that develops the perseverance that strengthens your character. And that hope does not put us to shame because God's love is poured out in the middle of this season. It's poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Do you know that one of the activities of the Holy Spirit, he's a helper? You know what else he is? He's a comforter. You know what else he is? He's a protector. The Holy Spirit will guide and protect and comfort us. And Paul says, and it's a popular scripture, you see, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At just the right time. Well, what is the right time? when you got everything together, when things felt grand like the Grand Canyon, when, when things were rushing in the right way like Niagara Falls, when everything was beautiful like the, like the stars in the cosmos. No, you see at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And what was the right time? When we were still powerless. When you didn't have it figured out, when you hadn't prepared like the ant, when you didn't protect yourself like the rock badger, when you didn't partner with somebody else like the locust, when you didn't persevere like the spider, in fact, when you gave up, when you were unprepared, when you were completely vulnerable, and when you felt completely by yourself, it's in those moments God wants you to know, that's why I gave you my son in the middle of that despair, in the middle of that trouble, in the middle of that heat, in the middle of that loneliness. I will meet you where you are. That's the kind of savior we serve. What's ironic is in order to experience the depth of the wisdom of the little things, you gotta understand what powerlessness feels like. You have to, what the Bible says, humble yourself, power down, power off. Let me offer this thought to you as we close. There are two roads to powerlessness. The first one is, you can do it, but I don't recommend it. Two roads to powerlessness, hit rock bottom. I know some of you, you feel like you're there. You've hit rock bottom. 
You didn't want to, but you did. And I want you to know Jesus will meet you right where you are. Can I suggest to those of you that maybe haven't hit rock bottom, it would be unwise to go that route. It would be unwise to go the route of hitting rock bottom in order to experience powerlessness so Christ's power can be made perfect in your powerlessness. Can I offer you a better way? Fully surrender. Fully surrender. We started this entire series by understanding that it's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. And that fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. It's understanding the wowness and the power and the beauty and the majesty in the big things of who God is and in the small things that he has numbered the hair on your head, that he knows the sparrow, how much more that he knows you. Fully surrender to his hand. Fully surrender to his grace. Fully surrender. Abandon that pride. Abandon the foolishness. Lean in, not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Can I pray over you today? Father, in the little things, we surrender to you. Prepare us, protect us, God, would you guide our steps to find people that we can partner with in this life and so that we can keep on keeping on and persevere no matter what life does, no matter where we are, no matter what we've experienced, that in the middle of trial and heartache and trouble, in our powerlessness, you, you come through. We thank you in Jesus' name.